This is episode 374 of the AWS podcast, released on June 14, 2020. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Lynch here with you. Great to have you back, and I'm joined by a regular on the show. I'm joined by John Handler, who's a Principal Solution Architect. Welcome back to the podcast, John. Thanks, Simon. Hey, everybody. Good to talk with you again. Thanks for coming back on, because, you know, whenever we're talking the Amazon Elasticsearch service, one name comes to mind, and that name is John Handler. I'm like, get John on. Let's talk about what's happening. <laughs> and, yeah, you're too, too kind. Too there's, kind. Been a, there's been a bunch of new <laughs> updates that have been happening uh, that really we thought we'd dive a little deep into today. Um, the first one is general availability for ultra warm. So maybe talk, talk us through that. There's a whole bunch of benefits, et cetera, but, you know, you tell me. Sure. <laughs> what do I need to know? Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, so uh, we're tremendously excited about Ultrawarm. This is some um, innovation we've done within the service to deliver uh, primarily, you know, this is a cost-related feature, but there are a, there's a ton of performance and, uh, and, and smarts behind it. What Ultrawarm does is it allows you to store more log data in an Amazon Elasticsearch service domain at a much, much reduced price point. Prices can be, costs can be as much as 90% reduced uh, compared to storing that data in hot tier. We've seen uh, a lot of our customers, you know, as you deploy data into Elasticsearch, uh, your cost grows linear with the amount of data that you're storing, right? So if you want to retain a long tail of data, then your costs will grow in proportion to that data. And we had a lot of customers that were looking at one to seven years even of retention of the data, but that data was mostly going to be passive. And so keeping it in a hot storage layer didn't really make sense cost-wise. It just wasn't cost efficient. So Ultraworm is a feature that's really targeted at reducing the cost and extending the lifetime of data within Elasticsearch so that you can hold that data for longer. Now this this I think is an important uh, an important distinction because it, it's one of those classic dichotomies that we have in IT where I, I want to store lots of data because historical data is useful and has value over time, and I can do things like comparing year on year and all these other types of metrics. But like you said, I, I'm not going to access it regularly, so my temptation is to put it onto a less accessible tier. But when I need to access it, now it's a painful process to access it. So this this ultra warm tries to bridge that gap, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And so one of the tenets was absolutely that the access pattern and the way that you use the data should be entirely transparent, right? So we want to deliver the cost savings, but without having you have to do more work or different work to access that data. Uh, in other words, you should be able to build a Kibana dashboard or Kibana visualization across a long tail of data and not have to worry about whether that data was stored hot or warm but just be able to access it directly. And so that's what we've built. Uh, you know, with Ultraworm, your indexes are Elasticsearch indexes. The data is hosted in an Elasticsearch cluster and you access that data in the normal ways with the normal APIs or the normal tools that you're using without change. But you're still getting that same user experience, but you're getting the cost savings as well. So it's, it's trying to skirt both of those things. 
Exactly. No, you do get exactly the same user experience uh, and, and the cost benefit is there. Now you might think, well, okay, there's going to be a big trade-off between the cost benefit and the performance, right? Yeah, so yeah. we're giving you equivalent user experience, right? But are you going to actually suffer quite a bit if you're trying to access that longer tail of data? And the good news here is again, and this is part of the innovation that we did, you absolutely are not going to get, well, let me, let me put it this way. So, you know, that's some of the innovation that we did. And around that, we're offering you performance that looks like hot tier uh, when data is cached within our ultra warm tier. So one of our innovations was to really work on Elasticsearch and Lucene and to bring in a caching layer that holds the data so that it's able to be accessed very quickly. UltraWorm uses S3 as the backing store, and the data is all hosted in S3. We have our UltraWorm tier that allows us to reduce the trips to S3 by keeping data locally within the UltraWorm tier itself. So looking at the performance, if data is already cached in the UltraWarm tier, then you would see like hot performance. We're talking order of milliseconds. When data is a small enough slice and it's not cached, then our expectation goes to be in the order of seconds range, right? So even to access uh, long tail data that's entirely cold stored in S3, you have something like order of seconds if it's a smaller slice of data. When we get out to the really big end of things, so large slices of data, then it can grow out to the minute. We had a demo that we did at reInvent last year where we ran over one petabyte of stored data for a trillion objects that ran in roughly a minute and a half. So you get really good performance, and especially if you compare this to the normal open source strategy, which is to have a hot uh, and warm tier where the warm tier is hosted on dense storage nodes. Now, the nice thing about dense storage nodes, they do give you cost reduction. The downside is they are underpowered if you look at the storage to CPU ratio. And so the performance of those dense storage nodes is not as good as what you get out of UltraWarm. UltraWarm delivers much better performance than you get on a, on a dense storage node. And part of that is because you're using these custom, highly optimized nodes, which are built using AWS Nitro, which I've spoken a lot about on the podcast. And and what these do is cache, prefetch, and query the data. So it really helps spread the work into the place that the work should take place. Exactly. Uh, on top of that, again, we've built caching, a caching layer, a sort of a predictive layer that's trying to mediate trips to S3 and uh, bring stuff locally to the ultra warm tier before or as it's needed um, that gives you again a big performance boost so john if i'm thinking about using ultra warm as a customer how do i go about doing my sizing yeah so you're going to start with sizing your hot tier exactly the same way you would size your hot tier uh, in any other case let's say i'm running seven days in my hot tier and let's say I'm taking in a terabyte per day. So I'm gonna figure out how, what that represents in terms of storage. I'm gonna figure out what that represents in terms of CPU. Uh, and just to cut to the bottom line, five R5, four X larges uh, will do it. Uh, we can have a whole other discussion about sizing, but I'm, I'm just gonna limit to saying 
size your hot tier normally. The second thing you need to do is to size your ultra-warm tier. Your ultra-warm tier is going to be sized based on the primary index size that you have. In other words, you're going to look at your indexes, look at the primary storage for those indexes, and then that is the amount of data that you're going to send to UltraWarm. UltraWarm supports two different instance types. There's an UltraWarm medium, which can manage one and a half terabytes in S3, and there's an UltraWarm large, which can manage 20 terabytes in S3. So you look at your aggregate data size in S3 and divide either by one and a half or by 20 to get the node count for how many nodes you need for UltraWarm. We generally, as a very general rule, would have you size up rather than out. So if I have 60 terabytes, we're going to prefer three UltraWarm nodes to, uh, can't do the math, 40, I think, uh, UltraWarm ultra medium nodes. That's it. That's all there is to it. Again, it's normal hot tier. Look at the data size uh, that you're managing based on the primary shards for all of your indexes in UltraWarm and just divide it out across the instances. It's math. It's a wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and how big can my uh, Elasticsearch service clusters be? So let's talk a little bit about the storage. When I say that the data is stored in S3, uh, one confusion that I do run into somewhat frequently is that the S3 storage, its you're not, as a customer, I'm not pointing my Elasticsearch cluster at my own S3 bucket. All of this S3 storage is within the service itself. And so when we look at what are we actually storing there, we have some optimizations as well. Your usual pattern for Elasticsearch would be to run with a primary and a replica shard, right? In other words, you'd have two copies of your data in the cluster, and you do that for redundancy and durability. When you move to UltraWarm, we're able to drop the replica, right? So uh, because S3 is a durable store, we don't have to add additional replication to handle additional durability. So if you look at the footprint of, say, one terabyte of data, uh, in an Elasticsearch hot tier, that would be two terabytes, right? You'd have one terabyte, the original, mm. and then one terabyte, the replica. When it moves to UltraWarm, we drop the replica, and that's a single terabyte of storage. Now, the overall limit in terms of what you can store in an Elasticsearch cluster is still three petabytes. So three petabytes is still a pretty big limit. Yes, absolutely. We And, and within that you can have a mix of hot and cold data or hot and ultra warm data, but that's still going to be uh, representing a total of three petabytes of storage. So you can store a lot for a long period of time and now it's a lot cheaper. I'm liking, liking what I'm hearing. Now, John, there's another topic we wanted to cover today because I think it's really relevant to the, to the overall Elasticsearch experience and particularly for the Amazon Elasticsearch service, which is the concept of open distro for Elasticsearch. Can you kind of give us a a, a pricey view of what this is and why it's important. Sure. So Open Distro for Elasticsearch is an open source project that we, amongst others, are hosting on GitHub. And it is an Apache 2.0 licensed version of the open source Elasticsearch. It's a distribution of the open source Elasticsearch, along with some plugins that we have built uh, in open source as well. 
And at launch was uh, March a year ago. And at that time, we had uh, about four plugins that we had built. One of those was enhanced security. Uh, so this allowed you to do fine-grained access control and a multi-tenant Kibana for an open source Elasticsearch cluster. We also had an alerting plugin that allowed you to alert on log data in your, in your cluster. We had a SQL uh, SQL interface or query language that allowed you to write SQL against your cluster. And we had something called Performance Analyzer, which brought deep metrics out of the cluster and allowed you to examine the functioning of the cluster itself to uh, monitor and adjust your usage. Since that time, uh, we've rolled three of those into Amazon Elasticsearch Service. That was always the intent at, at launch for Open Distro for Elasticsearch. Uh, those plugins then are providing those features within the service. We have launched this year uh, fine-grained access control within Amazon Elasticsearch Service. We have launched alerting. We have launched SQL. And as we've gone forward and, and throughout the year, we've been innovating within the Open Distro for Elasticsearch project to build plugins that we eventually brought into the service. And there are numerous examples of this. Uh, and we continue to work in Open Distro for Elasticsearch uh, to do our innovation and new work for what will eventually come into the service. Um, so this is a, a really great opportunity, not only for customers who want to uh, self-manage Elasticsearch to have these features, which are available with no additional licensing fees. Uh, you can have your, your deep security model, you can have your alerting, all of these with no additional licensing fees. Uh, and also for customers who are interested in working with us or um, helping to develop the plugins that are going to come into the product and influence our development, uh, this is a, a really amazing two-way street where we are both innovating in the open and also inviting uh, the, the larger open source community to come and participate with us in the development of these features for Elasticsearch. And it is an Apache 2.0 license distribution as well. So that that also, I know for a lot of organizations, that's a preferred licensing model. So it really allows it to be as open as it needs to be to allow people to both contribute and benefit from what the work that's being done. Absolutely. So we do have some confusion uh, from time to time, uh, you know, between what is Amazon Elasticsearch service and what is open distro for Elasticsearch. And so just to be clear, the Elasticsearch, Amazon Elasticsearch service represents not only an open source distribution of Elasticsearch, but also additional service features that we build in. We've just been talking about UltraWarm and UltraWarm is a service only feature that we built specifically for Amazon Elasticsearch service. Um, open distro for Elasticsearch is not something that AWS uh, sells or that we uh, would provide as a service. If you're interested in Open Distro for Elasticsearch, you can go download it and run it uh, at no cost to you uh, in terms of licensing or anything like that. Uh, you would deploy it yourself, you would self-manage it. So it's a completely separate entity. However, there's crossover. The plugins are actually coming into the service. So that's the vector that the service benefits from the Open Distro, the Open Distro project. 
And John, you spend a, a huge amount of time talking with customers all around the world about their their Elasticsearch service needs and what they're using things for. What are some of the the trends and and new ways of using the platform and the service that people uh, are showing around the world? So we have, I, I would say, the major trend that I'm seeing right now as I talk with customers, especially in these times where uh, you know we have COVID extant and people are looking to do cost optimization. So I'm definitely seeing a trend where our service customers are very interested in figuring out how to reduce costs for their Amazon Elasticsearch service domains. I would say, hands down, UltraWorm is gonna be one of the most effective cost uh, cutting tools that we can provide to you uh, as a service. We have our usual things in terms of right sizing and figuring out charting and indexing strategy and. Uh, you know, reducing overall usage and figuring out ways to do that. We have reserved instances that also help you re- reduce your cost. Uh, but UltraWorm is a, a tremendously, as I said at the top, it's up to 90% savings compared with storing that data in hot. That's a huge needle mover. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we're hoping that's going to be helpful, especially in these times as, as our customers need lower cost structure for their Elasticsearch domains. Well, to be fair, I've never had a customer come to me and say, you know, Simon, if there's one thing I want to do, it's spend more. <laughs> Can you raise the price yeah, right. for me? <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely not. Yeah, definitely but, but you're not. right. I think that the, the 90% difference, I mean, that's that's a that's a needle mover. That's that's worth getting out of bed for type thing. This is not like a 5%, 10% difference. It's it's substantial, which means, and you can look at it from yes. two ways. You can say, well, either I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing now and spending 90% less or – um, I can store 90% more at the same cost so I can get more value or somewhere in between. So you, there's many dolls you can play with there. Yes, yes. So so coming back to UltraWorm for a second, and especially with an eye to Open Distro for Elasticsearch, uh, when you're using Amazon Elasticsearch service for any kind of streaming data, uh, this would include log analytics and any other time-bounded set of data, you would usually use a rolling index pattern where you would create an index per usually day, and then that index would live in your hot tier for some number of days until it aged out and you would delete it uh, or archive it first, snapshot it, and then delete it. So when you're when you're working with UltraWarm, this to move indexes to hot becomes another part of this overall pattern in terms of index lifecycle. And coming back to Open Distro for Elasticsearch, uh, we have developed in Open Distro for Elasticsearch an index state management plugin, which allows you to define basically a, a little finite state automaton that moves your indexes through the different states of their lifecycle. And so at GA, with UltraWarm, we now support index state management in Amazon Elasticsearch service. And part of what you can do there is you can specify that you want to roll your indexes from hot to UltraWarm within your index state management design. You provide this as a little JSON piece of JSON structure that tells the service how you want your data to move through your cluster. Uh, it, it allows you to Again, migrate to UltraWarm. You can also snapshot off indexes. You can delete them. And you can, again, manage the overall lifecycle. So these two features work really well together. Um, 
You can also manually make an API call to migrate an index from hot to ultra warm, but it's much easier to set up your index state management to automatically move those indexes into ultra warm. When we look at sort of that data motion, some of the sizing and scaling characteristics of uh, ultra warm are related to this motion, right? So when we move data to ultra warm, number one, we merge all the segments in the Lucene indexes down to one segment to make them as efficient as possible. Uh, second, we drop the replica, as I said. And then finally, all of the shards migrate from the hot nodes to the warm nodes. So thinking about sizing and capacity planning for ultra warm, uh, there is a little bit of overhead that you have to take care of in your hot tier. And then it's gonna migrate into the warm tier for more permanent storage. So we have index state management, helps you do that migration. And then the migration uh, itself involves a little bit overhead. Be aware of that when you're doing sizing and capacity planning. Yeah, it's always good to understand that the process is involved, but uh, the, the saving makes it worthwhile and the automation makes it a bit easier, which is great. Hey, John, yep, thanks, exactly. thanks, thanks so much for coming on and sharing with us all the, the new goodness available for our customers. Absolutely. Really excited about this one. We'd love to see our customers benefit uh, with this, this enormous cost saving. And uh, we do love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at amazon.com is a place to do that. And until next time, keep on building.